Retrospection Radio Theater presents Come in and join us for a tale. Greetings, I'm the narrator. Welcome to the study. Today I will read to you a tale to delight, or perhaps cause a fright. <laughs> Once Upon a Midnight Dreary While pondering weak and weary Distinctly, mind you, it was in bleak December True Nervous very, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? I am not mad. The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. This is not madness. Above all else, the sense of hearing was acute. I heard all things in heaven and in earth. I heard many things. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calmly, I can tell you the whole story. Time, a fear created by man, tick, tick, ticking, down to our last minute. Man is the only animal on the planet capable of conceiving such horrors as time, or perhaps, murder. After the death of his beloved Lenore, our friend has moved in with an old man. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived it haunted me day and night. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. He had never given me insult. For his treasures I had no desire. For his home I had no desire. No, no. I did not want his physical belongings. I had everything I had. I had everything I ever wanted. Lenore? No, no, I, I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. He had the eye of a vulture. Pale, blue eye, made from glass. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold, freezing me from feet to head. And so very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man, and thus rid myself of that horrid eye forever. Now this is the point. Midnight. You fancy me mad? Madmen know nothing. But you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded. Cautiously. Brilliantly. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. I read to him. I prepared him food. I washed his car. And every night, about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it. Oh, so gently. And then, 
when I had made an opening sufficient for my head. I put in a dark lantern, all closed, closed that no light shone out. And then I moved in my head, slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. Ha! Would old madman have been so wise as this? And when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern cautiously, oh so cautiously, cautiously. I undid it just so much that a single thin ray fell upon the vulture eye. And this I did for seven long nights, every night just at midnight. But I found the eye always closed. It was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. And every morning when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him. Good morning. Good morning. You slept well, I trust? Like a rock. Nothing stirs this slumber. That is good to hear. Would you care for any breakfast this morning? Would you mind? Absolutely. So you see, he would have been a very suspicious old man, indeed, to suspect that every night, just at twelve, I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighth night, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. A watch's minute hand moves more quickly than did mine. Never before that night had I felt the extent of my own powers. I could scarcely contain my feelings of triumph. To think that there I was, opening the door, little by little, and he dare not even dream of my secret deed. Perhaps I chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me, for he moved in the bed, suddenly, as if startled. <laughs> now you may think that I drew back, but no. I continued onward, for his eye vexed me, saw through to my very core, brought me back to my past with Lenore. So I kept pushing on, steadily, steadily. I had my head in and was about to open the lantern when, who's there? I kept quite still and said nothing. He was still sitting up in the bed listening, just as I have done, night after night, hearkening to the death watches in the wall. <laughs> that was not a groan of pain or of grief. Oh no, it was the low stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul. I knew the sound well. I heard it the night Lenore. No. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt and I pitied him, although I 
chuckled at heart. I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first slight noise when he had turned in the bed. His fears had been ever since growing upon him, tormenting him. He tried to fancy them causeless, but could not. He had been saying to himself, It's nothing but the wind in the chimney. It is only a mouse crossing the floor. Perhaps merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. That and nothing more. Yes, he had been trying to comfort himself, but in vain. All in vain. Because death is approaching him. Tick, tick, ticks away what little time he has left. And he knows it. He hears it. And when death began ticking his time away, he could feel my head enter the room. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a very, very little crevice in the lantern. You cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily I opened it, until at last a dim ray shone like the thread of the spider shooting out from the crevice and falling full upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all a dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person, for I had directed the ray as if by instinct, precisely upon the eye. I knew the sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. I grew furious, beating, rap-a-tap, rap-a-tap, like the drums calling a soldier off to war. I've only heard that sound once before. But even in my rage, I refrained and kept still. I scarcely breathed. I held the lantern motionless. Meantime, the beat grew quicker and quicker, and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder, I say, louder every moment. Do you hearken? I wished to finish the sound, stop it. Yet for some minutes longer I refrained and stood still. But the beating grew louder, louder. I thought the heart must burst. And now a new anxiety seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbor. No, no they shan't. The old man's hour has come. I threw open the lantern and leaped into the room. only. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. I then smiled gently to find the deed so well done. But for many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall it was quiet enough for that. For now, I would be safe. In time, it ceased.
time, a fear created by man, tick, tick, ticking, down to our last minute. Man is the only animal on the planet capable of conceiving such horrors as time and, perhaps, murder. When it comes to intelligence, no being rivals the craftiness and cunning of a killer. If still you think me mad, you will think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. The night waned, and I worked hastily, but in silence. I took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited him beneath. I then replaced the boards so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his vulture one, could have detected anything wrong. When I had made an end of these labors, it was four o'clock, still dark as midnight. I attempted to rest from my labors, but his vulture eye haunted my vision whenever I closed my eyes. I decided to go to the study to verse myself in a story. It was not long into the prelude when... Tis some visitor tapping at my chamber door. Only this and nothing more, for they can't have heard the beating heart of the old man. Tis some visitor wishing entrance at my door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my door. Perhaps they did indeed hear the old man. No, no more of that, nothing more. Sir, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore, but the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. I shall open the door for you now. Forgive me. Darkness and emptiness before me. I wonder and fear. Did they hear? Perhaps they know of Lenore. Perhaps she's still here. Lenore? Tis not, and nothing more. Surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what there is, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. A raven, like from the saintly days of yore. 
he had perched above my door, perched himself upon Pallas. He had perched and sat and nothing more. Raven, though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raving, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Never, Never. more. Others have flown before. Lenore, the old man, on the morrow you will leave me. Never, Never. more. Doubtless what it utters is its only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, never more. Never, never more. Wretch, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he has sent thee, respite, respite and nepenthe, from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, O oh, quaff this kind Nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Never, never, more. Prophet, thing of evil, prophet still if bird or devil, whether thy tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Never, never, more. By that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels named Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Never, never, more. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, get thee back into the tempest and the night's Plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my bedroom door. Take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door. The man, now drawn back to a frenzied state from the mockery of the raven, charged to the bust of Pallas. The raven did not stir. Instead, their eyes locked, and he saw himself in the reflection. All the grief, anger, torment, boiling beneath the surface of the creature's eyes. Huh? Where am I? My... study. The raven. It is departed. I must have dreamt these happenings. Did I? As the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking at the street door. 
I went down to open it with a light heart. For what had I now to fear? The raven hath left me. The man surely would cause no trouble. There entered three persons, whom introduced themselves with perfect suavity as officers of the police. Good evening, sir. How do you do, sir? I must beseech you, sir. Did you hear anything aloft during the night? No. I must implore. What brings you to my door? Suspicion of foul play has been aroused. Late yesterday evening, information had been lodged at the office. We have been deputed to search the premise. May we come in? I smiled. For what had I to fear? I bade the watchman welcome. The shriek, dear Lawman, was my own in a dream. Ah, I see. What a fright it must have caused. Indeed. My flatmate, an older gentleman, is absent in the country. Please, please inspect the house. You will find it all predictably unexceptional. I took my visitors all over the house. I bade them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed them his treasures, secure and undisturbed. In my enthusiasm of my confidence, I brought chairs into the room and desired them sit here to rest from their fatigues, while I myself, in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath which reposed the corpse of the victim. Everything appears perfectly ordinary. Yes, no disturbances here. I bid you thank you for your time, sir. We shall be going. Please, won't you drink tea with me? Tis lonesome for a man when he lacks a roommate. We'd best be... We have time. Of course, sir. The officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them. I was singularly at ease. They sat, and while I answered cheerily, they chatted of familiar things. But ere long, I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached, and I fancied a ring in my ears. But still they sat and still chatted. The ringing became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definiteness until at length I found that the noise was not within my ears. My wife is the best cook in the land. <laughs> no doubt about it. Have you been to John Harold's butcher shop on Main? I thought that burned down. He rebuilt it. My loyalty will always be to Tom's Meat on Second. No shops can beat the eateries in New York. I've not been off to New York yet. It's truly splendid. I have to go sometime. Journey to Boston yet? No. Hold down. Indeed? Aunt lives there. I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides, as if excited to fury by the observations of the men. But the noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore. I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated it upon the boards. But the noise arose over all and continually increased. It grew louder, louder, louder. 
And still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they heard not? Almighty God, no, no, they heard. They suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. This I thought, and nothing more. But anything was better than this agony. Anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could bear those hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die, and now again. Hark! Louder! 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 Villains, dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks. Here, here. It is the beating of his hideous heart, I confess. The man and Lenore. Please, no more. Time. A fear created by man. Tick, tick, ticking down to our last minute. This poor man's time was up. How much longer do you have? Thank you for listening to this month's production of Retrospection Radio. I'm John Roberts, and I've been your narrator tonight. To see who was featured in our cast, please see the description below. If you like this podcast, you can find us at www.retrospectionradio.com or on Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and many more. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Want to contact us? Get on our mailing list? Have any ideas or suggestions? Email us at retrospectionradio at gmail.com. No caps or spaces.